Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Hello and welcome to Millions of Screens. I am creative producer Leo Garcia back from the dead. That's right. I was killed off last week, but I'm back like any good soap opera. I'm joined as always, except not always because I wasn't here last week by TV Awards Editor Libby Hill and TVW Editor Ben Travers. Today, we're going to be talking TCA nominations, that Loki finale that promises a season two, and let Libby vent a little bit about Hamilton's category fraud. Can we call it that? I mean, it's to a be film. It's a I film. It's Ben is the, Ben is going to be leading this chart. Oh, Ben, Ben will be I'm, doing most of the venting. I'm supporting, I'm supporting. I'm supporting. I would say we're in a, a perfectly equal venting space at this okay. point because I've been angry about this for about five years and Libby is uh, more angry about it in the current moment, it seems like. So I think we'll be in a really good, real good space, real good shape. And yes, it's absolutely a category fraud. It is millions and millions of little screens. Can't you shut up? I'm busy. Boy, what a great show. Well, skipping ahead to the clicker, our recap of the biggest news items from this past week. Guys, last week, while I was off, the TCA nominations were announced. Leading the way, Ted Lasso, no surprise. But as you wrote, Libby, quick on its heels, Hacks. What were some of your, 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 the, the highlights of the TCA nominations? Maybe in contrast to the Emmys. Yeah. Something I love about the TCA nominations is they are generally pretty good uh it's weird when you get a bunch of television critics and journalists in a room they um have seen more tv than 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 most people in in north america so they they seem to have pulled it together pretty well so in addition to ted lasso and hacks performing so well um there was also a lot of love for for limited series including uh, Michaela Cole's I May Destroy You, Mayor of Easttown, and, and WandaVision, which... Divisive. Well, you know, populism. Catch the wave. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was very... It, what things that I love to see with this year's TCAs is that there was just so many new voices being celebrated. Now, we kind of knew that going Emmys that... Uh, there would be a lot of turnover and like a lot of mandatory turnover in the comedy series because so many, um, so many, so many old shows were either missing this year or ended. Um, but yeah, that's, that's absolutely right. Uh, some of the personal highlights for me out of this crop of nominees is uh, Tuso Bedu from Underground Railroad getting nominated for individual achievement in drama. Uh, Maya Erskine, getting in an individual achievement in comedy, but it was just, it was just such a great overall uh, batch of nominees. Uh, Outstanding achievement in reality had couples therapy um, 
individual achievement in, in news and information uh, had City So Real. There's just there's just so much love for things, including nominations for new program for P Valley, which is you know my heart as well as an outstanding achievement in drama, like the TCA for all the good and all the bad knows TV. They love TV. Uh, they watch TV. And so it, it only makes sense that their nominees um, reflect what's happening in the world of television right now. Yeah. I mean, looking at these lists from my Rue perspective, it, it just goes to what Ben was saying last week, that a big issue with the Emmys is that you have these professionals who just don't have the time to watch everything. And so they can only watch the specific things either recommended to them or are favorites. And this definitely reads like a list of people who are paying attention to every corner of the television space. I mean, that comedy list is like perfect. Pretty close. Well, well let's not go crazy. I don't see uh, AP Mr. Bio on this list or, or Mr. Mayor. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I, I think what's so kind of exciting And also, you know, depending on how you look at things, nitpicky about being excited about the TCAs is when you look at the outstanding, outstanding achievement in drama category, for instance, you've got the Mandalorian, you've got the crown, you've got the handmaid's tale, you've got the three shows that the Emmys recognized in the same category, uh, that one of which will likely end up winning the Emmy. So, you know, what's all the hullabaloo about? Well, the hullabaloo is about the fact that we also got P Valley in there and uh, other people also got for all mankind in there, which is great. I was going to say, do I have to start watching <laughs> for all mankind? I, I recently about got ladies. caught up and I, it's much better than I anticipated after the premiere uh, but I would not say by any means it's uh, the kind of vital television that P Valley or AP Bio represent. So, um, but no, I, I, AP I think Bio might just be too small, right? Is it, I guess, I guess Girls Five ever got in. It's absolutely too small, but also uh, there were early critics who just weren't on the right wavelength for that one, so they didn't jump on board, and they will ignore it forevermore, just like Emmy voters. Anyway, uh, what's exciting about it is exactly what you said, Libby. It's that that's what shows who's watching TV right now, like who's paying attention to what's happening right now, as opposed to just being aware of what's on TV still. Like it's still on, we'll nominate that. I remember that show. I've heard people talk about that show. Well, that's one of the shows that of you know the few that I watched. So I'll vote for it. I'll check the box. I've never heard of P-Valley. I've never heard of For All Mankind. Like I'm not gonna check the box for those things, but the people who are paying attention, the people who have to watch everything for a living, you know, they're trying to recognize those things, even if I highly doubt uh, P-Valley or For All Mankind are able to win that category. Just having them in there uh, seems like a pretty big win and having them, you know, included in the night when we celebrate all these things uh, next year in person, I hope, um, would be really special. So, Um, well, it's not all bad news. It's not all bad news. There's Uh, still some category fraud, I'd say, because like Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist is not a comedy. I'm sorry. It's just that's not. And it's not outstanding. Rules there. It's a musical. It's not. It's not musical and comedy. That's not the name of the category. It's just achievement and comedy. So you can't vote for a musical. Like, uh, sorry, but it's not the grouping. I know, but Mythic Quest and you know Superstore. You got to be happy about that. I am. That's true. Yeah, that was that was that was a huge thing. Well, moving on to uh, the finale of a very divisive Disney plus show that hit last week. 
I don't know, divisive amongst two. It seems like on the internet, everyone loved it. Uh, ben gave it a B. It featured a uh, scenery chewing turn from one Jonathan Majors when he oh, showed yeah. up as He Who Remains, uh, a version of Kang the Conqueror. Ben, why was it good? Honestly, I think I think the easiest and quickest way to answer that question is by just name checking Jonathan Majors again. I honestly think that Jonathan Majors, and this was a thought, I don't, I don't remember. I think Steve Green, the recommendation machine came up with this first, Um, but he is on the wavelength that everyone else should have been on throughout. He's on the wavelength that not only every other actor should have been on, but that the show's creators and, you know, uh, writers, directors, production design, everything like at times those things excelled at times they were creative at times you could feel like they were trying to kind of do something a little different or unexpected Um, But it was never consistent enough for the entire show to feel as, you know, wildly uh, innovative and imaginative as you would have hoped from something that was playing with time travel that had Tom Hiddleston as the lead, uh, whose only requirement to be worthwhile TV by some viewer standards was to have Tom Hiddleston appear like 12 times over uh, as different versions of Loki and strut his charismatic stuff. Uh, It didn't do any of that. But Jonathan Majors did all of it. Jonathan Majors is so good in this. He he was a real surprise. I didn't know. I mean, again, admittedly, I'm not a Marvel expert. Uh, I did not know who the big bad was going to be. I did not even remember that Jonathan Majors had already committed to this part uh, for future Marvel movies, uh, the title of which I will not say because it is stupid. Ant-Man um, and the Wasp, Mania. That's the one. Uh, my God, what has our world become? But from his introduction, which was beautifully handled uh, to the themes that he was able to elicit to the sheer charisma that he seemed to have with himself, as well as the other actors, every level of it was what I wanted to see consistently throughout the rest of the show. And perhaps the fact that it did confirm a season two is coming affected the kind of positive swing that I had toward the episode in general, uh, along with major's presence, because One of the things you hope happens when you have an ongoing TV series is if there's potential in the first season, you learn from your mistakes, you iron out those flaws and you improve and you try to capitalize on that potential in the second season. If they can look, if they can honestly look at the first season and say, these are the parts that we need to maximize. We need to find more alligator Loki. We need to find more Jonathan majors. We need to figure out how to stretch that across, you know, however many episodes we're going to get next time around. Then Loki could become the show that we want it to be. And I guess maybe I was just riding that optimism train in regards to the rest of uh, the finale. Say Ben, uh, who would typically, you know, take care between seasons and, and, and try to have, honestly evaluate the show and the changes that should be made for the feels better. like a former podcast topic uh-huh yeah i would uh i would think that would probably fall under the show responsibilities uh well no he's just the head writer so i'm not sure oh. if he'll be involved again so, uh, um not sure if the director will be involved again either so i guess this is this is going to be the uh litmus test for seasons of mcu shows in theory, and also just the practice that they've cultivated of, you know, trusting directors uh, over writers or, you know, just trusting individual components to add up to the producers, uh, you know, whims and, and dreams, as opposed to trusting, you know, a singular individual to shepherd the show forward. Um, I mentioned this singular. in the review as well. 
but he's Kevin in Feige. charge of much I think more he's, than just the show. I think it's too. I think his. I think his. His. Uh, his empire is stretched too far, and it's hard for him to give the same attention to to, to every uh, every place where the sun sets. The sun does empire. not set on Kevin it's, Feige. Some some of them are too far flung, and he just doesn't have the oversight. I think, and he is and he, he is sh- relying on a second tier of producers to do that for him. And like like it or not, I don't think they have the same skill set that Kevin Feige had for the for the primary Marvel films. I have a big question that might be for a completely different podcast altogether, but uh, the MCU shows are not the first Marvel TV shows that we've had. Uh, We had the Netflix Marvel shows, which were completely uh, unrelated to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. What's a better way to make Marvel TV shows? Like, is being an integral part of the MCU actually hindering the the mcu tv shows um or is it nice to have that you know uh structure to fall back on that does feel like a big question my answer to it and i was i was talking to various people i talked to various people about this episode or, or loki uh specifically and i think even before any of those shows premiered i remember talking to you guys and saying that like these are going to be like ancillary reading materials you don't have to right. you don't have to watch them in order to still follow along with every movie. I think that's what's upsetting about to my point, like they should still be more fun while you're in them. And right now they really do serve seem like they're just serving like here's an A to B to get to the movie, as opposed to like we can do whatever we want uh, in the in between between these movies. And I do think that right now, the way they're treating it, it is hindering them. Because it seems like they don't want to take any swings too wildly that would diverge from what the overall scheme is for the MCU's phase four. This They just had to set up who Kang is so that he can show up in Ant-Man and you kind of have a sense who he is, uh, right. I think. But but again, I... you won't have to have watched Loki because they will do a good job of explain, explaining who he is to you in Ant-Man. Of course. They will explain why Wanda's strong in Doctor Strange. Uh, and they will explain why, I mean, you don't even need Falcon and the Winter Soldier, unfortunately, because Captain Cap gave him the shield at the end of Endgame. And then when Captain America 4 shows up, it's like, oh yeah, because he got the shield. You needed none of that series. No. Except to potentially set up uh, the Contessa Val valentina whatever her last name is as the leader of the thunderbolts like that's really all you needed i will say the reason that i was thinking about this is because as we've been talking here uh, i got a random email about magnum pi and (laughs) i kind of went back to like god what if there was a second a second season of falcon winter soldier um even though neither of them are those anymore and it was just that body cop thing that we had we'd always hoped for, um, completely unrelated to the to the larger stories brewing in phase four, except for maybe like maybe something can be percolating in the background. Uh, not that I trust them to be able to 
have a delicate hand with that. But then I realized um, that's never going to happen. And I was pretty sad about it, actually. I mean, I have so many thoughts. I could definitely talk for an hour about what's wrong with these shows. Sorry, I just I had to ask you guys. But I think I think to just try to tie a bow on it and I say it every week, it's the idea like everything you mentioned, Ben, is right. Like there are elements to all of these shows that are that are amazing and you want to see. And that's what makes I think makes them infuriating to me because they are so tantalizingly close to being really great television shows. It's almost as if if they if they just chose this is a Steve Green, the recommendation machine thought, but like they're trying to be four quadrant shows. And maybe if they tried to push into one element or the other, they'd become better shows, but they might alienate some people. Um, I also always go back to and I might be dumbing these shows down. But if you just make Loki time heist of the week show, if you just make make them a little more uh, serialized. Sorry. So you would like MCU TV uh, to function. uh, What's the word like television? I think that would be helpful. And it's so crazy because Michael Waldron, the head writer, not showrunner, talked a lot about how he wanted these episodes to like have that feel of like, this is the blank episode and this is the, the, this episode. And they don't, the Loki ones don't, unless you're like, this is the episode where Jonathan Major shows up. Oh, this is the episode where uh, Richard Grant shows up. Like that's really what they have to them. Um, and I, I think I'll, I'll end here. I was disappointed by the finale. I don't disagree that Jonathan Majors didn't bring some much needed energy to the proceedings, but that finale was boring with a capital B for all the talk of pruning. Someone really should have taken a red pen to that script and shortened his monologue, especially because of the acting choices he was making. He was stretching things out. So the monologue becomes 20 minutes long. And that's really all you get in that finale is him talking for what seems like eons. And if the point was to make it feel like time was, was elapsed, was ellipsing at that, at that, at that pace then great. But uh, I just wish they had gotten to it a little bit quicker. I mean, I wish the whole thing was a little bit better, a little wackier, had a little more speed to it. But yeah, the problem is it's not television. It's a movie stretched out to six hours. What is with slow monologues in the finales of these shows? Like, I just like, I'm just remembering how Falcon... Like went on that ground to a halt in the three, middle of the episode three and a half minute uh i don't know how long it was i did when i reviewed it i did say I how remember. long it was i but. remember in the streets like i like the mind boggles i'm very sorry for for uh expanding on this topic i know it is always something that we have a lot to say about well to continue to expand just really no quickly, ben we're done with the mcu that it did follow some TV rules or at least traditions and that the penultimate episode was probably better than the finale. And it was definitely bigger than the finale. Like more stuff happened in the penultimate episode than it did in the finale. So that's like super TV and that's cool. And then secondly, uh, at least Loki exhibited the growth that he'd been talking about for the last six hours. Like at least he was forced into a choice that showed he was willing to care about someone else as opposed to himself. And uh, part of that was like, just agreeing to like trust his own decisions and and respect his own decisions and respect himself. And however you think of the other character, Sylvie as her own person or as another Loki variant, uh, AKA just another version of Loki, the Loki prime 
at least did something over these six episodes. At least it felt like he went on a journey and I don't know if he earned it. It might've been too much talking. It might've been too repetitious. It definitely wasn't enough fun, but I at least feel like there's a different, a difference in who Loki was at the start versus who he is at the end. Here's my one caveat to that. We just said, Ben, most shows where the penultimate episode is the biggest, the, the actual rising action and climax sort of occurs there. And then the last episode is like the denouement after that has occurred. This was not the case with Loki. There was just, it had the most stuff happen in it, but they, you still had to meet Kang. Like they hadn't walked, they didn't walk through the portal and meet Kang. And then the rest of it is like, well, fuck, now we got to figure out what to do because we met Kang. It's like, no, there's still this extra stuff you have to figure out. The real, just like episode, episode six is really, he gets sent through the portal after Sylvie makes the decision. It's like, now what? That's, Episode six was four minutes long. <laughs> if, you, if you're going by like Battle of the Bastards rules or, or what uh, have you. Don't, don't agree with those. I would never reference that. All right, guys. So we teased this in the open. Hamilton, a musical that was then filmed as a live event for Disney+. Plus. You guys tell me it was eligible for limited series or tv movie right no not eligible in that category it was placed in pre-recorded variety special but but because it was more than 75 minutes long the performers not actors the performers were eligible tech technically eligible to compete in the tv movie limited series acting category and that is how it was able to get seven of the coveted limited series and TV movie acting spots. Yes. Seven. I mean, I would also contend that that's not the only case of category fraud when oh. it comes to Hamilton at the Emmys. Please expand. Uh, well, I, I don't think it, it requires that much explanation. All you have to do is uh, click over to the nominees for outstanding directing for a limited or anthology series or movie. Uh, and you've got, wow, Scott Frank, Queen's Gambit, makes sense. Uh, you've got, thankfully, two people from I May Destroy You, uh, another great HBO limited series, Craig Sobel, a uh, friend of the pod. Or no, wait, he's not friend of the pod. I don't know how to use that anymore. Friend of a member of the pod. Um, great, wonderful pick. And then, of course, Barry Jenkins, Underground Railroad. Uh, you would think... You know, slam dunk category leader, winner, yeah. no no questions asked. Yeah. But that's, I digress. Uh, last but possibly least is the great Thomas Kale. And I don't want to take anything away from Thomas Kale as a director. I could never. I don't have the authority. I don't have the will or the want. Uh, he and is, Tony winning, correct? I believe so. He's, he's a force. He's wonderful. Yeah. But just thinking of comparing those two works, which is what we're trying to do, which is what the Emmys boil down to, is impossible. And even if you try to make the argument of this is more about the nominees than the winners, this is more about inclusion and, and you know trying to represent the broad swath of TV, and there is no better place to honor this director than in this category, so it's just nice that he found a way into this category, I I can't go along with it because it just means that 
other directors of of works that you know that weren't as as popular that weren't just as widely available that haven't had you know years and years of legacy building up to this moment for people to see the name on the ballot and check a box because they feel like it uh i it's extremely upsetting to me it's an extension of the problem that we had with the tv movie category which is i assume why leo you thought that it was eligible there because god knows in past years it probably would have been um but yeah it's 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 something that's detrimental to people who do whose work does belong in this category whose work could have been recognized whose work does line up with the limited anthology or movie categories as opposed to the variety special designation and as i'm sure libby will get into with much more eloquence it's just incredibly frustrating that the primetime emmys the tv academy at large who are so hands-on with so many categories and so many decisions when it comes to categorizing specific shows that'll have panels to hear out complaints, you know, over where a show has been categorized, uh, cannot just give the sniff test to something like this and say, no, we're not going to put all of these actors, all of these, you know, this director, all of these people on the same ballot in a category where they don't belong. I, I just, it boggles the mind. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not pleased about it. It is upsetting how many acting slots went to Hamilton uh, for a performance likely filmed five years ago, filmed multiple years ago. And like, let's explore this a little bit because what Hamilton is, is a stage play. And we all know that they the intent was to film it because it was impossible to get tickets the intent was to film it and cut it and release it as a film in theaters enter pandemic and uh, disney then uh audibles and puts hamilton on disney plus so we can all enjoy it so now it's tv but what is it? It's not a TV movie because it's not. It's a film stage show. Um, like maybe if I don't know where Hamilton should be competing, but I know it shouldn't be competing in TV movie. And I think it should probably be uh, competing in variety special. And but it definitely should not have its actors competing in limited series or two or TV movie which are completely different animals than a filmed version of a stage play or a filmed stage play. It's, um, it's upsetting to me because, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, we have so many great limited series this year and so many spots were sucked up by nostalgia picks in the Hamilton cast. Um, in places they shouldn't have been competing it 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 is just it's upsetting um because when you're talking about limited series that's it that's their that's their one shot hamilton has now thrown away those other actors shot because it has been nominated in in categories where it doesn't belong when it has already been awarded at the Grammys, at the the Tonys, uh, you know, 
reasonable places. And, and I don't know what to make of this. I, I don't know why the Emmys had to jump on board this train and I don't know why they had to do it in such a shitty way. Well, I, and- I mean, I think that's the, the gist of it for me as well. It's especially when it comes to the actors, um, at least with, at least with Thomas Kale, that direction is very specific. Like that is a specific job. There should be a place for it amongst the many, many, many Emmy categories in which he'd be competing against, you know, actual, actual peers in that category, actually actual other, uh, you know, staged recordings of whatever uh, other variety specials, if you will. But with the acting, uh, again, we're not taking anything away from what those performers accomplished over the years. They are, uh, indelible performances and, and, and iconic characters for a reason. They deserve all of those merits, but they've already received them. It has nothing to do with television. What their work was has nothing to do with television. Just because you got to watch it on your TV in addition to Broadway or instead of Broadway doesn't actually change the work that they did. And because there's an award for that, and they, a lot of them, already won those awards, we don't need to go back to it. We don't need to retread it. This is not something where you could ask those actors, how did you change your performance to fit the small screen? Because one, they'd have to say, well, we thought it was going to be on the big screen and then it wasn't. And two, they did it anyway. That's not how it works. That's not how this production worked. So the idea that some of the people who helped make it would find rep- would find nominations in those respective craft categories to me makes sense. I am upset about the directing thing because that's just the wrong category there. That just doesn't fit. And it, it's frustrating, but specific to the actors and how much air they sucked out of the room at the Emmy nominations. That's unbelievable to me. I, I cannot believe that the Academy let this happen. And as someone who didn't predict any of these people to get nominated, I still heard every single prognosticator say it was going to happen. I honestly believed most of them. I just didn't want to believe it. So I didn't put it down on the paper. Uh, But you knew this was coming. People knew this was coming. They could have avoided it. And instead they were like, no, we'd rather have Hamilton being discussed at the Emmys. We'd rather have the press. We'd rather have the name recognition than, you know, some show on Showtime that not enough people watched that stars a crazy man ranting and raving at the top of his lungs. Uh, well, you know what? He deserved it. And so did a lot of his co-stars. Uh, David Diggs would have been better served with a nomination for the good Lord bird than for Hamilton. And so would television. And so would the Emmys. So uh, yeah, I, I uh, <laughs> there's the rant there. There's the irons. I'm, it was filmed. I'm upset. It was filmed in June of 2016. Over two uh, nights. I believe yeah. two different showings. Yeah, it was it was shortly after the Tonys, in which I assume it 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 took home a bunch of awards and before most of the most of the cast departed, the major cast departed. But you can it, see uh... if you look at the history of this category, if you look at what Variety Special typically tries to honor or ends up honoring, however you want to frame it, you've got a lot of stand-up specials, and you know this year. Uh, I mean, I'm reluctant to call Bo Burnham's inside a stand special, but you still have Dave Chappelle's 846. Um, But it is a much more eclectic category this year than it normally is. Typically, there's a lot of different stuff. And even last year, you could make a complaint that, you know, it was great to see John Mulaney and the Sack Lunch Bunch nominated, but 
comparing that to Hannah Gadsby's Douglas or Dave Chappelle's multiple stand-up performances isn't really the same thing. So I don't know if this is a case where they need to just try to break out these categories into something else. Um, it certainly seems like they should, considering how things are trending. Um, but they have lumped these kind of these kind of variety specials, these kind of pre-recorded Broadway shows. Even Springsteen on Broadway ended up in this category two years ago. Uh, even the Steve Martin and Martin Short traveling show ended up in this category. Uh, you know, they've put that in the variety special, but you haven't seen the crossover with the actors because there usually just aren't that many actors and it doesn't meet the other qualifications. This just seems like such a strange rule to allow for this to happen that for them to not go the other way with it and just say, no, 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 we're just not going to let the actors in uh, would have been so much easier. Uh, would have uh, would have helped television uh, and a lot of other shows. So, I mean... No one wants to hear this, least of all me, and no one wants to admit it, but we are very rapidly heading towards a TV landscape that requires Grammy size categories. Like, like if you want, if you want to be fair, they have to add more categories. They have to, I mean, and I'm not saying go to uh, the Hollywood awards lengths where you've broken out streaming a network and cable but it's um they're reaching a breaking point like we can't I, i don't think we can keep doing this and and instead of adding categories which they hate because they always end up contracting those <laughs> categories three years later like they they just they just keep fiddling with what we already have and, and i don't think that's gonna i don't think that's sustainable in peak tv I don't think that's sustainable with the rapidly changing landscape of television. Um, And I don't think that a film stage play should be competing against limited series and TV movies for its performers. Millions of Screens is a production of the Penske Media Corporation and New Our theme music users excerpts of the classic YouTube video. Bjork talking about TV and Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Our in-chief is Dana Harris-Brights and our publisher is James Israel. And we are still lacking an executive editor. Some of our favorite category fraudish limited series and TV movies include Jesus Christ Superstar Live in concert. At least that was extras, television. Extras, the extra special series finale. That's mostly just for Ricky Gervais purposes. Uh, Sounds like a stretch. And of course, Hamilton. Millions of screens. Strongly, strongly endorses Barry Pepper. (laughs) (laughs) Emmy nominee for... Generally. Emmy winner. Oh, I'm sorry. For the Kennedys. Emmy nominee for 61 in 2001. Emmy winner in 2011 for the Kennedys in Best Actor in a limited series or TV movie. We've come a long fucking way in the last decade, if I can just say that right now. That category, Barry Pepper, Idris Elba for Luther, Lawrence Fishburne for Thurgood, William Hurt for Too Big to Fail, Greg Kinnear for the Kennedys, he's playing JFK to Pepper's RFK, and then Edgar Ramirez for Carlos. 
Then Kevin Costner took the crown the next year for Hatfield and McCoys, baby. You can find us on Twitter at Million Screens at Midwest Spitfire at Ben T. Travers and at Leonard Garcia. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Slew, Mew, and let us know what you think. This is Ben, Libby, and Leo reminding you as always that you shouldn't let poets lie to you. Poets lie to you. Ain't nothing wrong with a couple of cold brews and a cool podcast. <laughs> lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.